Pinchas. Good morning. Today's Sicha is from Chelek Yudches, Parshas Matais, the second Sicha Parshas Matais. We're learning in the schools of Rav Yosef Yitzchak Menzima Chasya and Masha Bas Batsheva. The Ebrish should give them a Rafua Shlema Ukreva. I also want to say that if you want to grab a Chumash Bamidbar with Rashi, um, I think you might appreciate having that resource at your fingertips. Um, this is a little bit of a different sicha for us girls, maybe a little bit out of our comfort zone under normal circumstances, but these are not normal circumstances because we're committed to Project Lekut Sichas and we're going to be learning a sicha each week whether these are sikhas that we would intuitively gravitate towards or we would intuitively shy away from, um, but we're moving beyond our comfort zone into wondrous, uh, wondrous terrain. And uh, this sikha, uh, you know, I, re- I learned the sikha every week with my husband, uh, Baruch Hashem, it's become a really a very, very sweet spot for us. And um, as soon as he saw it, he says, ah, oh, this sikha, I remember when the Rebbe, when the Rebbe gave the sicha. I remember all of us cocking in it and talking about it and walking around for days and talking about the wonder. And so here we are um, living in the wonder. Seif Aleph. The Parsha Shabbat Nitzdabu B'nai Yisrael al Hagolas Clay Midian. In this Parsha, B'nai Yisrael are commanded regarding the Kashering the purging through immersion of the vessels that they took as booty from their war with Midian. Uh, by the way, this is the parsha that has the iconic words "hecholzu," upon which that entire mimer is um, is based. Uh, the war with Midian and, and and what is so distinctive about this war, but that's that's for not a whole other time. Um, so this is the Parsha, and it begins in Paraglamid Aleph from Pasuk Chaf Aleph, and, and going forward, there's a whole um, set of psukim that deal with these halachos. So on this concept, Hiksha HaRamban, the Ramban asks a famous question. Why does the Torah only give us these halachos this commandment regarding the kashering or purging of vessels only after Mechemes Midian. Why not earlier? Like, for instance, like when the Jews went to war with Sichon and Shalom. And in that war, for sure, we know the Jews took booty um, and, and, um, and included in the booty, there had to be kalim, there had to be vessels uh, that were used for the preparation of food, for the service of food. So why not earlier? The Tirets Haramban, the Ramban answers, Ramban answers that Sichan and Oig belong to the Nachal of Yisrael. This was something that Hashem promised B'nai Yisrael. And therefore, everything found in that shalal, in that booty, even things that would otherwise and certainly later become forbidden were permitted as well. For Amru Rabbi Senu, and he says, our, our, our rabbis, 
teach us in the Gemara and Chulin, Kidli Dechazire Istri Lehu, that even the nape, the necks of pigs, were permitted to them. Aval Midian but Midian was not part of the Nachla. And they only took that land in order to avenge, you know, a score that Midian had done to them. And therefore, this is where we get the halachos because they had to uh, act upon these halachos of what to do with the kalim, because the kalim from Midian were kalim that had to be purged. And therefore, the Torah gives us our, uh, the, the laws about this here and not after Sichan and Oik. Now, um, just preempting a question of why is it that they were permitted um, in Isurim because it was part of Sichan and Oik? And um, how could this be? Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing that many of you have heard this mushal used before. It's a very, very important um, mushal to explain a lot of concepts that. Um, Every game has rules. However, somebody has to make up the game. Somebody is the one who founded the game, who, who made the rules. And so there's a level where you can transcend the rules. The rules are only operative amongst the people that have decided to play this game, which has certain rules that define the game. But there's, you know, there's outside of the game, there's above the game. So if you want to say, why were they able to eat napes of pigs? Why were they able to eat chazir? Isn't that not permitted? But first of all, we have to remind ourselves, what makes chazir impermissible, at least now until Mashiach comes? Because the Abish just said so. But at that time, the Abish just said, you're allowed to eat it. And that's it. So then it's not asur. Now, apichasidus, you might be able to say that there was an Indian here that they had to elevate everything from the Nahala that was to be theirs, inclusive of things that would otherwise be impermissible. If you don't want to go the route of Hasidus, then you have to just accept that this is a Xeris HaKasov, that this is what the Abish just said. Um, and there are similar things to this, like before uh, there was a time where they were able to eat meat that was just stabbed to death rather than, than shechted, and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's the question of the Ramban and the answer that the Ramban gives. But the Meforshim um, asked a question on the Ramban. In this parsha, B'nai Yisrael were commanded not only about purging the vessels that come from non-Jews, but also on immersion of vessels that come from non-Jews. Okay, so in other words, and I, I find a lot of times that this is something that's very uh, confusing to people. People conflate a koshering and immersion. They don't realize that it's two different things and both things have to be done. And in this passage, we learn about both. Like Rashi tells us here. And even the Ramban deals with, at length, he deals about the issue of immersion. And so if so, So then, okay, we understand, according to the Ramban, why we wouldn't have to talk about purging, about koshering, about about Hagola, but what about Tefillah? Regarding the, the Kalim that they 
that they 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 owned after they took the booty from the from the war with Sichanaik. And in this case, when you're talking about immersion, we can't use the same reasoning that the Ramban introduced to us to regarding the purging. We can't use that even uh, that you were even able to eat the napes or the necks of pigs. Because the reason for immersion of kalim is not because of the uh, forbidden entities that become absorbed in a vessel. Because we know that even new vessels that pass from non-Jewish ownership to Jewish ownership need immersion. But the reason for, for immersion of all vessels, new or otherwise, Lafisha obviously if they are made of certain materials and they belong to a non-Jew, but the reason is because they leave the, the status of belonging to non-Jews, which has a certain tumah, and they enter the holiness of Yisrael. So, so when you immerse a vessel, you are changing its status, which reflects this change in ownership. You're leaving from the Tumas Hanachri and you're going into the Kedushas Yisrael. And although the Ramban writes right here, and even the Ramban says that take into consideration, or my heart tells me that these words in the Torah are actually an esmachta, bahamikra esmachta asu say that this is not a mitzvah daraisa, it's a mitzvah darabonon, it's mitivrehem from the words of our sages. And the words in the Torah are esmachta, they, they prop up the words of the sages. And even if you want to say, let's say, that tefillah, which you'll see at the end, the Ramban says that, that is still, he still needs to think about it because it's not 100% sure. So, so, but even if you were to say this, even if you were to say that the immersion is midrabanan, ain't no move on the Rebbe says, Aleph, haloye Ramban, chasam dvore bezet zarech talmud, hainu shenisha besavek ve'efshe shatfili hi midaraisa. First of all, the Ramban finishes his commentary there by saying this needs further study, which means that he still remains in doubt if the tefillah is midrabanan midaraisa. Second base, even if the words in the Pasuk here are only something that the Rabbanan, the Rabbanan rely on, point to, but it's not actually saying it's Midaraisa, it still wouldn't change anything. We still have to ask, the fact saying that it's maybe Midrabanan doesn't really solve our, doesn't reconcile our question because we have the same question. Why would the Torah put the smachta for the whole Indian of immersion here and not by the war with Sichan and Oik? And Gimel, Ubechol and either way, Lama Loiheir Al-Kacharamban Mu'ma. Why does the Ramban not ask this question at all? The Ramban, that all the Mepharshim asked the question, what, the Ramban didn't have the same question? Why does he not mention anything about immersion and just concerns himself with 
with koshering, with purging. Simon Beis. So the Rebbe says it would seem that we would be able to explain it in the following fashion. Yadua, it's known, that not all mitzvahs were given immediately a matanterah. There are mitzvahs that were given at a much later date. And there were mitzvahs that were even given in the 40th year after. It's like we just had the whole story with the so the whole halacha of what happens with inheriting parcels of land in Israel, this was all a chiddush that came through the agency of B'nai Salafchad, and that was mamish before the Jews went into the land of Israel, came much later. And therefore, and so therefore, maybe we could say that it's not such a huge question to ask why this doesn't come earlier. Because for whatever reason, this was a time as divined above. Valderek, like we have a very famous expression, that there are things that are that are nishadish, there are there are new things that are introduced at a certain time when it's when it's decided above that that's the time to give that tire. So then Rabbi says, okay, so if so, then why does the Ramban ask the question about, about Hagola? In other words, if you could never ask why now, why not before, why not later, so why does the Ramban ask at all about that other issue? The answer could be that we're forced to say that the din of Isser, of prohibited matter, becoming absorbed in a vessel, that, that the, the vessel becomes prohibited, just like the non-kosher food becomes prohibited, that already started earlier, before Milchemes Midian. And that's why the Ramban is asking, why is the Torah coming like Johnny come late and giving us the halachas here when we know for certain that the Jews were keeping the halachas earlier? How do we know for certain? Because in Chumash Shemais, in Parshas Tzav, the Torah tells us, that if you cooked in a earthenware vessel, then you should break it. And if you cooked in a metal vessel, then you should scrub or scour it and rinse it. Uperish Rashi Sham, and Rashi explains this, and he says, Yishaber, you should break it. Okay, so there is a halacha called Noisar, and that is that a, the meat of a korban has to be eaten with, within a certain time frame. There is a statute of limitations on when meat of a korban can be eaten. Even having in mind that you won't eat it in the given time is already a very serious issue called pickle. Noisar is when you actually go ahead and you eat the meat 
after the time that you're permitted to do so. So Rashi explains, why did they have to break Kalim? Very interesting, because the because let's say you ate meat from a carbon in the vessel. Okay, and you let's say you ate it within the right time, but the juices of the meat become absorbed in the vessel. And now, now that's nicer. It's, it's a derisa. So you have to break the vessel if it's earthenware. Umarak vishutaf, and you have to scour and rinse it, lifloit esbli asai, to repel, to expel that which was absorbed. That is if it's nechashis. So here we have proof positive that regarding the prohibition of non-kosher or non-permissible matter that has been absorbed, we were already, we already have this information. We must have been commanded earlier. We're already being told what to do. And because they already have this information, Therefore, the Ramban is asking, why give us the commandments here when we know with certainty that the Jews were already keeping this mitzvah earlier? And for sure, this would have been seminal and relevant to them after the Melchama was Okay, so maybe that's the answer to why the Ramban would question about Hagola, but not question about Tzvila. Um, however, Adayan in Adalam Bechabeb. The Rebbe says, but it still doesn't compute. Because the Ramban, um, he, he busies himself, he concerns himself with both of these mitzvahs, both with the purging, of vessels that come from a non-Jew, and with the immersion of vessels that come from a non-Jew, so then at least very succinctly, he should have mentioned what the Rebbe just told us is the difference. In other words, he should have preempted this question, and he should have explained why he is asking on the halacha of Hagala and not on the halacha of Tfila. And in like fashion, but even more. The Rebbe says, and in like fashion, there are other answers that the Mepharshim give, and they're also not satisfactory. He says, in addition to how forced those other answers are, and this is not the place for me to go through all the resolutions that the other Mepharshim set, set forth and why they're not satisfactory. says, But there's still always going to be this general question. If all the other Mepharshim are smart enough to have this question, why did the Ramban not address this question by himself? Gimel. Be'yuvan, will, we will understand this. And the Rebbe says, I'm not going to give you the answer yet. We're going to understand this by widening our lens and looking at two other 
curious, additional curious features that interface with the notion of immersion of vessels. Aleph. We know what the Neidah B'Yehud and the Chassam Sefer wrote, that when you sell chametz to the non-Jew before Pesach, you should not include in the Shtar chametz reference to your kelim, your chametz to kelim. Because if you sell your kalim, you will have to immerse them. When you go back and you buy them back from the guy after Pesach, they will now have been in the possession of a non-Jew and you'll have to immerse them. But in the Altarebbe Shtar Mechira, Kosov Bezehalashtim, the Altarebbe writes as follows Vechain Kalim Mechumatim Shayesh Aleim Chomet Ba'ayin. And he includes non Pesach Dike, Chomet Dike Kalim that have upon them discernible Chomet, Chomet Ba'ayin, Chomet that you could see with your eye. Behind this means Shagam HaKalim Nimcharim Lenachri, that in fact, the kalim are also sold to a, a non-Jew. And nevertheless, we don't find that the Altarebbe says that we have to um, immerse the kalim after Pesach. And it's a Maiserav. We see how the Rabbeim uh, comported themselves. We see how Yidin comported themselves. We never heard that you have to be toivel all the kalim after Pesach. And the Rebbe now references a um, a sefer that the Rebbe's great grandfather, Rabbi Avram David Lavut, wrote. It's called the Shar Kailal. He wrote many others for him also, and he references the sefer and he says that the Shar Kailal Tirit, the Shar Kailal, who commented about the Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, explains the Kevon Shekasa Rabbein Ozakim Kelim Mechumatim Sheyesh Aleim Chametz Ba'ayin, because the Alter Rebbe wrote that this is only regarding chametz kalim that have upon them discernible chametz. And because the halacha is that all the kalim that you don't want to kasha for Pesach, you have to scrub and you have to rinse, so there'll be no discernible chametz upon them. And so therefore, it, this means practically that you wouldn't have, that, that you, you're selling clay su'uda, you're selling your dishes or things that you use, and these are things that are normally clean. They're clean for chametz ba'ayin. Hopefully, you don't have discernible food on top of the dishes. And only that kind of kli would need tefillah, and those kind of kalim would be clean. So that's how um, the Sharakil explains it. But the Rebbe says, but I don't understand this explanation. The din that you have to clean all the kalim that you're not going to kosher is relevant to all kalim. 
וכיוון שהכלים שצורך לשפשון אינם נכלולים לשיטה של שער הכלא במכירה, ואת שער הכלא אומרים שאתם כלים לא נכלולים. אם כן, מהם הכלים הנספורים בשער המכירה של מכורים החמץ? אז איזה כלים אתם If the halacha says that any keli that you don't kasher, you have to scrub and you have to rinse, and the shara kela says, oh, so those, the, those kelim are not being included, so then which kelim are included? Rebbe says, I, I, I don't understand. And therefore you're forced to say, sheshtar ha-mechira ba lo haitia meshus ha-Yisrael, im me-ezusi ba lo shifshev ha-Yisam, that the shtar mechira, that the, that the document of the mechira's chametz comes to take them out of the ownership of a Jew if for whatever reason they did not scrub the kalim. Like you're supposed to, v'im kain, and if this is so, hadra kushya So now the question returns with its complete strength, meaning how come you don't need tefillah's kalim? And we're forced to say, although vessels that you would use for service that have discernible chametz upon them are included in the shtar chametz, they're included in what you sell to the guy. But according to Alta Rebbe, still in all, they don't need tefillah. So, so far, we have lined up two curious items. One is, why does the Ramban not at all nod in the direction of the tefillah that is mentioned in this parsha? And you can't say that the Ramban didn't know those psukim that was torn out of his page because he says other things about them over here. But yet he doesn't ask the question of why the instruction from the Torah didn't come earlier. Then the Rebbe says, let's zoom out. And let's include under the same category of things we have to understand that are a wonder about, about the same subject of tefillah, let's look at Mechira's chametz. We sell kalim, how come we don't have to bring them to the mikveh again after they were in the rishos of a non-Jew? And then Bayes, a second thing that the Rebbe wants to include, which is the third of the three mysteries that the Sicha um, addresses itself to. The Rebbe says, One of the reasons for why we have a minute to eat milchika foods on the first day of Shavuos is, It's to remember the milchika food that the Jews ate on the day of Matanter. Why did they have to eat milk food, dafka? Because it was then that the Jews were commanded on the laws of shechita. Like on, on, on the vast majority of mitzvahs. So immediately, their food and their kalim, their fleshka kalim, that were in their ownership, became, were usher, they became prohibited. Because before Matan they were not people who were commanded on, on slaughter. And therefore now uh, they were prohibited from eating any flesh food. 
They also could not quickly shecht animals and they could not quickly kasher their kalim on the day of Matan Torah because everybody agrees that Matan Torah was on Shabbos. And on Shabbos, you can't shecht. And on Shabbos, you can't kasher. And so therefore, they had to eat only mechaka food. And it would seem that you could ask a question on this very explanation. And that question is, how are they permitted to eat? Okay, let's say you want to say that they drank milk. Got it. Okay. Karachi's good. How did they eat things that were cooked with heat that were milchik? And it's, it's, you're very hard pressed to say that they only ate butter and milk, but nothing that was cooked or baked. And more, Dim came because if this was so, because in fact, they only ate cold dairy foods, this would have somehow been reflected in our minag on Shvos. And we have no such minhag to only eat dairy cold, hard cheeses, etc., etc. And in either way, shouldn't they at least have to have purged their milchah But wait a minute. We have another question. Shouldn't they have had to kasher also their milchah Because were they careful before matan with the meat? And for sure, with mixing milk and meat? What's going on here? The says, but that's not a question. Why? It's plausible to say, because when they left Mitzrayim and they knew that they were going to serve Hashem, that there was going to be Matan so B'nai Yisrael were already commanded with certain mitzvahs, inclusive of the mitzvah of the prohibition of mixing basar and chalav. And therefore they had separate dishes for dairy. And so they therefore they didn't come, uh, they didn't become prohibited from meat or from the mixture of meat and milk. And on top of this, and the Rebbe says, and there are certain kalim that because of the way they're constructed, they're only appropriate for dairy and not for meat. I'm not exactly sure what this is a reference to, but that means nothing. It just means I have to study more. I have to ask more. And if anybody could help with this, I'd be grateful. But it's still not understood. Okay, so let's say they didn't have to kosher their kalim, their milchika kalim, because there was no question of absorption of something that was prohibited. 
אבל כיוון שבזמן מתנתרי נכנסו ישראל לכלל קדושת ישראל. But we have another question. Because at Matan Torah, Binde Yisrael's status was completely changed. And at that moment, they came into the status of Kedushas Yisrael, the holiness of Binde Yisrael. They basically underwent conversion. So for that very reason, forget about Kashering Kalim. But didn't they have to immerse their kalim that had belonged to them before Matan Torah when they were not in the uh, category of Kedushas Yisrael? So why didn't they have to be toivel, the kalim shahayu b'rshusam lufnezen, that were in their ownership before Matan Torah? Kashera dayin lehayu b'rshusam Yisrael, when they were not yet in the category of the holiness of Yisrael, im chayim, so now we're back again to square one. The question returns in its full strength. How are they permitted to use their milchika kalim without tevila? And I know you're thinking they use yeah. their paper goods, but not so much. Okay, I don't love that question because, of course, we were in some way different, special, holy before Matan Torah. Okay. Come on. We... Okay, so hold on, hold on. You're going to see the Rebbe is going to address. But but it is, a, it is a question. Yes, of course, we were special. Yes, of course, we were B'nai Yitzchak Yaakov. But the Ebesh himself said, oh, at Matan Torah, not before, so what, yes, of course, we were, we were children, we were descendants, we were a tribe, we were a motley crew, whatever word you want to use. We were distinctive. But Goy Kaddish? No. That's, that's a different Madrika. Dalit. Kemoishin is barak pa'amim rabbis. Like it's been explained many times, you could learn from Rashi wondrous things, even in Inyanim of Halacha. And the Hebra brings down that the Shalah said this. Even though Rashi says that his stated mandate is just to give it a pshat, and so it's understood and so it's it's clear and understood that we can't learn we can't we can't pass in halacha from the inyane halacha that are called from Rashi's parish al pshat. But still and all, there are a number of places where Rashi brings things, and he brings them down in the name of our rabbis taught this creates. And from this it's understood, that even though it's medrash, it's drash, it's drash, therefore Rashi brought them because okay, Rashi says, I'm only about Pshat. So when he brings down a Medrash, it's Negev to Pshat. And when he does this, that means that this too is relevant, it jives, it's legitimate. And therefore, that also includes Limud al And so the Rebbe is going to show us something 
absolutely amazing that the Rebbe learns from a turn of phrase from one word in Rashi and how this helps us understand the seminal halachas. And so this that the Shalat taught us, that we could learn wondrous things, even in halacha, is relevant to our parsha, to the question that we asked, and Rashi's perush on this Indian in this, in this parsha. So this is where I said that you would, I think, um, appreciate having Rashi open, even though the Rebbe brings down all the words, but there's something about looking in the Sefer. Okay. So this is Pasuk Chav Gimel in Parak Lamed Aleph in our Parsha Mates. So I'll give you a moment if you ran to get Chomish. So again, Matois, Lamid Aleph, Chav Gimel, 21, 23. If perchance you have the Mitzudah Chumash, it's on page 420. So the Pasuk says, Anything of these materials that can be placed on a fire, Ta'aviru Be'ish, you must pass through fire, V'toher, and it will be purified. However, it must be purified with sprinkling water. But anything of these materials that was not placed on fire, you may pass through water. Okay. So this pasuk is actually, you know, yesoidistic uh, in terms of kashering and also references tefillah. Let's look at Rashi. We're talking about a kli in which you would cook something. Taviru be'esh. So Rashi gives us the most basic corollary of kashering. It must be purged. It must be kashered in the very same way that it was used, with the same manner of heat. Something used with heated water. Yagi lenu bechamin has to be purged with heated water. Or mi something used for roasting. like a spit or a grill. or has to, you have to take a blowtorch to it. You have to bring it to white heat with fire. Okay, next part of Rashi. This is according to the plain interpretation. This purification, some, putting something into a mikvah, the menida, is to cleanse it from contamination of the dead. Amar lahem, and here the Bnei Yisrael were told, utensils require purging to purify them from prohibited food. Vechitui, and purification, letara min hatuma, to cleanse them from ritual contaminations. 
And the rabbis extrapolate here, that even for purification from prohibited food contamination, metal utensils require immersion. Then, the, then Rashi answers a different question. Why does it use expression meinida? Darshu, they expound, mayim haruuyim litbal behemnita. This is referring to water that is suitable for the immersion of a nida. In other words, what kind of mikvah do you need to immerse kalim? Has to be meinida. It has to be water. Has to be a mikvah that's suitable for a nida. Bakamahim. How much do you, water do you need in the mikvah to be table anida? So you need the same thing for Kalim. Okay, so this is the Rashi. Now, let's look at the words that the Rebbe underscores. Now we're going to go back in the Sicha. We looked at the Rashi as we would have looked at it um, if we wouldn't have learned this Sicha. Look, the Rashi stop. Now the Rebbe says, when Rashi talks about filas kelim, on the on the words kasav Rashi writes simply this um, cleansing would be used to purify something from tumas mace. Amar lahem, and here he told them that that kalim need purging in order to purify them midha isor from what's prohibited vechitui and they need to be sprinkled they need to be addressed minatuma to purify them from the tuma and our rabbis taught mikan from here we learn shaaf lahachshiran minha isor hitin tfila that also, to kosher from what's iser requires tvila. Okay, these are the words of Rashi, and it's unbelievable what Rabbi is going to do here. One second. So koshering includes tvila. One second. Let's take a look. Let's take a look, Sarah. Let's take a look. Let's let let keep let's let's keep learning. We'll move on with Perish Rashi, and we understand from Perish Rashi, Ashelashitasoi, that in his opinion, Indian Tvilas Kalim Shaykh Le Isor Lachshiram in Isor. Your question. Rashi is saying that Tvilas Kalim is relevant to Isor, to something that is prohibited in the Kli, and to kosherize it from the Isor. Ah, kosher, but this is difficult. But we know that even new kalim that were never used, that had nothing usur in them, need filah. Even though nothing forbidden, prohibited, was absorbed in this kalim. Like it says in the Gemara, that even old kalim that are cleansed through libun are considered like new. And even these need tvila. So when you have a student or somebody in your town who's koshering their home, and certain things have to be thrown out, of course, and certain things are koshered, 
and maybe certain things have to go through libun, right, with a blowtorch. They're considered clean and new. They're considered like new, but these need tevila. So you're not putting them in the mikveh to take out what was absorbed because you took care of that already with the blowtorch. It still needs tevila. So the Rebbe says, so what does Rashi mean? Lahachshiron, mina isor. V'yisirim is one more. Rashi himself explains to us here that whatever you can't, whatever blowtorch can't work on, whatever you don't need a blowtorch for, put into hagola to water. So So Rashi says. And these things that never had any isur, you also have to immerse. Mitfiloi vidaye and matfiloi vidaye. You immerse it, and it's enough. The im came, kevon shakelim loy balo isur. So if you're talking about kelim that never absorbed prohibited matter, what does Rashi mean when he says that they need tvila to kosherize them from prohibition? I said something wrong here. I want to correct myself. Starting from V'yaseira Mizu, V'yaseira Mizu, and even more. Rashi ba'atz my perusim now. Rashi himself is mefarish the end of the pasuk. Look back into um, this Rashi, which we did not do. On the words, V'chala shala yaboi ba'esh. And Rashi says, Kol anything not used with fire, such as cups and jugs, and flasks, which are used for cold, fo- cold food, and therefore did not absorb prohibited food, immerse them and it's sufficient. And this is only with metal utensils, okay? So Rashi himself underscores that there are things that never had blia, they never absorbed anything prohibited, and either because it was cold or because it never had anything uh, impermissible, and still you have to put them in the mikvah. So why? And he says it's lachshiran mina isor. Which isor is he talking about? If you want to say you have to put them in the mikvah to change their status, that's one thing. But lachshiran mina isur, what isur? Hey, so now the Rebbe is going to, in wondrous fashion, explain this whole thing and answer all three questions in one word. We'll understand this by prefacing, by looking at a specificity, a diuk in the words of Rashi. When he talks about purging, when he's talking about a gala, when he's talking about kashering, Rashi uses the term in our Rashi that we looked at, to purify them from the impermissible. 
And he says that the word chitu is to purify them from the tumah. Masha Enkin, in contradistinction, Bitfila, when he addresses immersion, Kasabalashan Lehak Shiron Mina Isar. What does the word Lahak Shiron mean here? And we might say, in this specific change, that is found in one Rashi, in one continuum, in one fell swoop, where Rashi says about Rashi explains the difference between Haggala and Tefillah. Now the Rebbe tells us what Rashi is teaching us. And Sarah is going to have the same question, did Rashi know this or not? Geder Tara shayach rak bedavar tuma. A construct of Tahara is only relevant to something that had tuma. Or something impermissible. And therefore, Rashi describes the process of purging, which extracts that which became absorbed in the keli as to purify it from the isor. But what does he mean with the term lahachshiran? Lahachshiran is a term of readying or prefacing alderach, like we know there's a halacha construct called hechsher mitzvah, what you do in the preparatory stages in order to be able to fulfill a certain mitzvah. Like in one of our sikhas, we looked at the building of a sukkah as an example of hechsher mitzvah. That the vessel becomes ready and um, appropriate to be used. This is to say, when you immerse it, it's not about expunging the impermissible matter from the vessel, because this was already done in the case of old Kalim, this was done through the blowtorch, this was done through the Hagala, this was done through the purging. Or there could be very, we know this, many, many vessels never had anything. Yes, sir, it's new, it's brand new. But in order to make this vessel, to make it um, something that is worthy, worthy, thank you, of usage by a Jew, that precludes the possibility of prohibition. You have to completely obviate the possibility of this being even plausibly used for something impermissible. Because as long as it's in the Rishos of Anachri, it can be used for something impermissible. So even if Anand, you never used it, practically speaking, you bought it, it's brand new. 
but the possibility did exist. When the vessel is transferred from the from the rishus, from the ownership of Menager to the ownership of a Jew, it, this is kind of like the border. It has to pass through this border and needs immersion when it goes from the Rishus of Agai, where there is the possibility, even if practically this will never happen, for it to be used for impermissible matter. So it has to go through tefillah to enter into the domain of something that is a Rishus of a Jew. And an example for this would be We just had the whole saga with the women of Midian. And the Torah says, Every woman that was not a virgin was killed. And this means that this included women who were not actually involved in the sin. But this included women that could have had intercourse with Jewish men, even if it never happened. So it's kind of like a parallel to this, that the dishes, yeah, maybe they were never used for something also, but they could have been because they were in the ownership of a non-Jew. So therefore, even new kalim that were never used with anything permissible, and even kalim that were used only with cold impermissible things and therefore wouldn't have been absorbed and therefore it would have been okay, kasher is wise, but still, they still need immersion as they move from the ownership of the non-Jew to the ownership of the Jew, Although they did not absorb anything impermissible. Because by the very fact that they were in the ownership of a non-Jew, they became they became it became possible that they would be used for something that is impermissible, and therefore, lahachshiran, they have to go through tefillah. Vav. So now the Rebbe ties this all up for us and goes through the question of the Ramban on this on this parsha, the question about how come we we're not tevil our kelim that we sell in chametz, and. The third question is about why the Jews were able to use their milchike kalim on the day of Matan Torah. Vav, al pikol hanal, based on everything that we have learned above, yiturtsu shloish hatmias hanal. The three questions that we had will be addressed. Aleph, lama hiksha haramban rak al geulei nechrim v'loy al tefilas kalim. Why is Rashi, I'm sorry, the Ramban, not concerned with why the Torah didn't talk about Tvilas Kalim till here? And he only asked, why didn't the Torah address Hagola earlier? The second question is, Why do you not have to immerse Kalim, Chamistik Kalim, that were sold to a non Jew 
when you sell your chametz. And Gimel, how are they permitted, B'nai Yisrael, to use their milchakalim, take up la'achar matan tari, l'fnei tfila, right after matan tari, before tfila's kalim. It was Shabbos. They couldn't be tevil. And they definitely couldn't do a gola. So, first question. Aleph, divrei haramban kan, boim behemshech l'perish rashi. So, Rabbi says, first of all, understand the context of the Ramban. The Ramban is coming to address Rashi. How do we know this? Shari Hetik Lashan Rashi. He actually cites Rashi's Mifairash, Rashi's Perish, sorry. And he asks and he expounds on Rashi's Perish. So that means. He understood Rashi's parish. He's aware of it. And Rashi is the one that wrote that you need tefillah in order to, let's use the term, kosherize it. Not to be confused with takasher, because we know what that means, right? It's a new understanding of lahachshiran. And therefore, and therefore, the Ramban doesn't ask the question on Hagola, And he only addresses himself and gives the tirots for the Hagola. That after the, that during the war of Sichan and even the nape, the neck of a, of a Chazir, were permitted to them. This should have been also something that addresses tefillah. Because in the milcham of Sichan and Oig, there was nothing impermissible. Even the napes of Pigs were permissible to them. So therefore, that also obviates the problem of there being a possibility of the kalim being used for something iser. Why does it obviate that? Because nothing is iser. And only when there is a possibility of using it for something that's asur, this guy remesis, that causes the necessity for tefillah. But at that time, there was nothing that was usur. And again, we have to get over ourselves, right? Because in our head, in this rule, there are always things that are permitted and there are things that are impermissible. But here, there was nothing impermissible. And Hasidus teaches, what does it mean, usur? It's tied up, the Nitzutzei Kedusha are tied up they are incarcerated in and we cannot extract them. We cannot do anything. Making a bracha won't help. Nothing can help. And that's why, it's, that's why we can't eat it. But at that time, there was nothing also. So therefore, the Ramban doesn't have to address why we don't have the halachas of, of, of tefillah earlier because he learned from Rashi that there was no Isser at that time. If there's no Isser, you don't need Tfilah. Beis. 
how does this apply to Mechiras Chametz? Although you sell your chametz, and yes, we do sell our kelim, our chametz like a kelim to an angel. And we even give them the keys. A lot of people give over the keys to the rooms or the closets that have the chametz in them. But everybody knows that this arrangement is such that immediately after Pesach, all of this will be returned to the Jew. And it's not plausible at all we know that it's not plausible that the, that the Nachri will come with his keys and he'll actually take out the things and he'll use them to pile mamish. And, and the Rebbe says in brackets, and, and some of the Acharonim wrote that the whole thing of Mechiris Chametz is like a Rama, it's like a scheme. But regarding the Isser of Oni Chametz, even this scheme is enough. In other words, it's enough, even though you know, and the guy knows, so you know that the guy knows that this is just performa. You don't expect them to come and use your George Foreman or your very, very cool, um, uh, what's, what's the, the, the gadget where you, you know, the, your dry fryer, what's it called? Uh, air fryer. Air fryer, thank you. You know, they're not coming to use it. So because you know that the Mechir is in such a way that it doesn't really give the guy the, the opportunity to use your Kalim. That's why they don't need to feel because Rashi teaches us in this Rashi is to bring them from the place where there's a possibility for them to be used for something impermissible to a place where there's no longer possibility. But the Rebbe says, when you sell your kalim to the guy, there really is no possibility, which is why the Alta Rebbe does not tell us that we have to be toivel the kalim, even though in his star he says, you do sell kalim. And by the way, the Rebbe says, and if you sold it to such a guy that actually was such a nudnik that they came to your house with the keys and they took the kalim and they used them, <laughs> now you need to kosher them and table them. You need, to, you need to trust the rabbi that you're selling your chametz through that he's going to find the right kind of guy who has enough of his own utensils. Gimel. And now we have to go back to Shavuos. And what about regarding the Jews eating milchukah foods on, on the day of Matan Tayram? Kefishin is barleil, but in the in 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 pursuant to what we have explained above, Nishmu We've explained that the Jews were careful with basar b'cholav before matan tayr. and if so, Not only was there no absorption of basar b'cholav, practically speaking, There was not even any possibility. 
because they were careful, because they already got this mitzvah, and they were careful with it. Therefore, the milch the kelim did not need tefillah. Because these kelim did not have to move from one status to the next, from a status where there is possibility for them to be used for something iser, to a status where there is no possibility at all. There was no possibility because they had already been commanded regarding Basar V'chalav back when they left Egypt. Um, now, there was a question that came in and I, um, I apologize that I did not, uh, but I decided I was just gonna concentrate on the Sikha then deal with the questions. Um, and maybe Tzipa, you want to um, cut the tape now. Um, but I just want to say that in our chat group, there's a really wonderful clip that if you didn't have a chance to listen to it before, listen to it now. It gives you context, historic context uh, for the Sicha and the excitement that the Sicha generated. Um, when, you know, it, it, yeah, you should listen to the, to the clip. Okay. Were they eating money at this time? Okay. So I have to say that um, in preparing the Sicha, this klotz kasha, this, this very good question and very like kind of obvious question came up. Um, and I don't know what the answer I, is. I asked my father actually during the sicha in yeah. my father's house because yeah. it was frustrating me. So I, I yeah. asked him, yeah. I screamed over, no. what, what no. milk and kleshuk were they eating if they had mon no. in the desert? No. They brought sheep, they had sheep. That's what he answered me. They had sheep. So they were at this point in time, they did have milk and they did have meat. That's, okay. that's a you. simple, that's a simple answer. Thank you. And then thank later you, they had, you, thank you, Rabbi Hecht. <laughs> he's not here. And then later they had Slav, you know, yeah. so, he, okay. you know, I, I could ask so him I more in depth. There's your answer. Was, but it is, it's confusing because we talk about mon, 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 and now we're talking about milk inflation dishes. Right, right. Okay. So they brought sheep from a tribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Had it. All Hi, right. So I that's don't, I don't, I, sorry. I don't hey, know. Hey, yeah. Okay. So, uh, separate whole question to understand the whole thing of Mechir's Hamas, because the whole thing of that Efshariot, that it has a possibility. If they're not, there's not even a possibility, like I'm really thinking about next Pesach, like basically only selling my kalim. Like, cause I have a pantry full of chametz mamish, you know? I know that people, some people are more machmer, but after the sikh, I think I'm gonna be more machmer. You know, it's like- I, it's, I don't think anybody in this group is gonna give you pushback. There are people that are more machmer. And they- like, What does Alter Rebbe say about it? I mean, it's like unbelievable. If there's not even an Efsharyu, a, a, a possibility. Yeah, the Rebbe answered you in the Sicha. The Rebbe answered you in this. First of all, first of all, let me just say, I am totally unequipped to have this conversation because okay. I never learned from Sicha. I never learned, I, I don't know, okay? But the Rebbe does say in the Sicha, so that I could read again. The Rebbe says, Lagabe Yisruchamit Gam Zeh Maspik, okay? And so therefore, I mean, you want to be more careful, but, but uh, you know, you have on what to be soymech. The Rebbe says it's maspik. 
Thank you. I just don't understand the, the because here we're talking about the possibility, like you're buying a new, a new set of Corel dishes. Let, let's not confuse two things. You're not allowed to own chametz on Pesach. Right. And so you sell it to a guy, that takes care of that. That takes care of that. And you don't have to second guess that. Now, the okay. question about do you have to table it? So the Rebbe is explaining you only have to table if there's a possibility that it would actually be used for Isser. And since, practically speaking, that is okay. entirely implausible, you don't have to table it. But the Rebbe is not in any way, shape, or form questioning the efficacy of Nechira's comments. Okay, I got it. You know, you just, you did answer me. Thank you. Good, Baruch Hashem. Okay, question in the chat. If they knew about separation of milk and plastics, why didn't they know how to shech? So um, this is a very good question. And we find that when, uh, when Yitzchak uh, told Esav to go get a meat, right, before, you know, that famous story, right, on the, right, when he wanted to give him the bracha, Rashi says he told him to sharpen his knife and Rashi says to shech it properly. So, Maybe the answer is, and again, I, I don't know. I would have to ask somebody who knows something. But maybe the answer is that while the construct of shechita was already known, but, they, but maybe not everybody knew or not everybody knew all the details, and this is where they had to learn all the details. And there are many, many details, as we know. Well, also, just because Yitzchak knew, it doesn't mean it was passed necessarily passed down from generation to generation. Maybe that was something Yitzchak knew, and meaning just because Yitzchak knew, it doesn't it doesn't necessitate yeah. right. that the yeah. Jews in the Midbar knew. Yeah, yeah. So we have, we have this binary where you know we have this tradition that many many things they knew and they did and they passed down and things not. And I mean, we have the very very famous sikh uh, about you know, not marrying two sisters. I, I mean, there's this, this, this is something that we visit and revisit over and over again. Is there a sikha about why did they know certain things yes and certain things not? Or is the sikha or a conversation about that? You know, you really, really flatter me in asking such a question as if I'm a pisabaki in sikha. So uh, again, I don't know, but I will ask. I will ask. Thank you. There were also mitzvahs that were given to them ahead of time, like Shabbat. One of them was was the Isra Basar of Esther. But it could be that not Shechita. It could be that Shechita was not in the Klal. And the masses weren't as, I mean, so I just find it fascinating how careful the Kli, even though we do tefillah and we just take it for granted, the Kli has to be coached, has to be prepared. How much more so it's just fascinating. And it's all with what we internalize. I wonder, you know what I mean? The kalim that we have to kosher is food that is stuff that we internalize. And not only what we internalize has to be kosher, but the vessel that we internalize has to be. I think psychologically, if we took it apart, and I can't do it right now, but it would be amazing in health. Esther, I, I wonder if what you're saying, if I'm understanding you correctly, and, and you're absolutely brilliant, is no. <laughs> that not, not only do we have to kosher ourselves, we have to make sure that we 
purge ourselves of absorbed misdeeds or in your in, or psychologically habits or, or ways of, of acting that are not good. But we have to bring ourselves to a place where we obviate the possibility of that ever happening. That's true. But I'm talking now about preparation for positive. Yeah, by coming to a place where it's not even possible. It, but the thought of what we take in needs to be positive because lahachshir the keli is now a positive. The hagola is more the negative. The kashering is more getting rid of. But the lahachshir is the preparation of the keli for kedusha ourselves too. The, if the keli has to be, so how much do we, even of the things that we do to ourselves that are just, should be just garbage, you know, we should get rid of, it's just amazing. Anyway, I, I just, just. Are whatever. you saying I, that the keli. I didn't think of it all these years that we caught with that we table. I never really thought about that. When a woman does tefillah, it's an ace rotson. It's a time to ask for brachas for the family, for whatever. It's an ace rotson. It's an auspicious time. It's a remarkable time. So Tevila is probably more preparation for holy than getting rid of Tuma. You understand? You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. two different. And even the Kaylee has to be Tahar, let alone us, what the food that we internalize. So, so give an example of what you mean by the Kaylee. Like in our lives, are you talking about our physical bodies? Are you talking about like what when you say? Even the Kaylee is. A I, I don't want to take. Um, she probably means like Machshava and Esther. Thank you. That's really brilliant. Like our own thoughts. But I, you and know, I don't know. I, I, yeah, our thoughts, our actions, but surroundings, environment. Some of the things that we struggle with so much. Attitudes. I find is attitudes and negativity that are misplaced. Approach. Don't. Yes, that are are. Our perceptions should be pure, should be holy. Our perceptions should be clean. Of uh, I don't know, we would need so much uh, psychiatry and psychology. If we, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about: cleaning ourselves up in a way that you know. In the things that we blame ourselves, everybody sitting here and learning doesn't need hagolah. Real, I mean, we all need hagolah, but. There's no tarfus here. Everybody, nobody's going to be spending this kind of time for if, if they wanted to do something else. But the amazing thing is, I don't know, all these years you do tefillah and you just don't think about clean, you know what I mean? Making yourself a Kaylee, getting rid of that. <coughs> anyway, whatever. As Rifki, I can't amazing. Do enough. Every sikha goes with me for a whole week. I take it apart. Yes, I, it goes, it's just yes. amazing, Rifki, the way you teach it. I, yeah. I have nothing to do with yeah. this. But yeah. thank oh, you yeah. for always enriching yeah. and sharing and sharing with us because it gives it a whole different dimension. It really, really does. Yashikaya to everybody. Everybody should have a wonderful, wonderful week. And David should hope that by us learning the Sikha, Allah Boker Monday morning, this is our Hakshara for the whole week. We obviate the possibility for anything negative. This is our mikvah. We put our kalim in this mikvah. And after that, there's no possibility. There's no plausibility for anything negative. Cult of my dear friends. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody Thank you have a so much. Wonderful week.
Great.